Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders. And we did it. We made it to the playoffs, guys. Football Outsiders has a ton of great playoff content for everybody. I actually wrote about the Steelers and Chiefs as a playoff preview, but we've got five great previews up on the site. Everybody should check that out. It's a little bit of a sigh of relief for fantasy players like myself, but uh, there's actually tons of great ways to play fantasy stuff in the playoffs. And so I have a good friend, Odell Blocker, the great Swami from Dr. Roto, joining me on the show today. Odell, what's going on? How are you? Hey, glad to be here. Ready to talk football. It's wild card weekend, and I think it's going to be a good one. I really do. I completely agree. I think we're going to probably blend a little bit of a DFS content with also some kind of playoff preview stuff, maybe a little bit less fantasy heavy than you sometimes get, but it's going to be fun to talk about these six great games this week, or at least five. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how many great ones we get. Oh, uh, but before we kick off, let me mention FO plus is still on sale for 99 cents a week for annual subscriptions. It's a limited time offer. So head over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to check that out or like check out the link in the description of the show. Uh, Odell, let's just go in order of the games this weekend. They kick off on Saturday at 4.30 with the Raiders at Bengals. That's in Cincinnati, and it's going to be cold, 28 degrees, um, but not too much wind, no, no real chance of rain, possible chance of snow, but seems pretty light. That's, that's not going to be the big weather game this weekend. We'll get to that one a little bit later. So in my mind, the major storyline from a fantasy perspective is just whether the, the Raiders' pass rush can disrupt what Joe Burrow has been doing with this explosive passing game. And in the first meetup between these two teams, and there are a lot of uh, a lot of rematches this week, the Raiders had just three sacks of Burrow. You know, he had 51 in the season, so that's kind of a low total. But do you think things could be different this time around? I think there's a chance things could be different this time around. I think if, if Carr can limit the turnovers and give his mm -hmm. offense a, a chance to kind of, you know, stay in the game, and that will give his defense a chance to stay off the field. And I think that could give them an opportunity. But yeah. also, I think if they can't slow down uh, Mixon and, and at least make the Bengals, you know, have to throw the ball, because mm -hmm. the last game they didn't have to throw the ball very much. They were able to kind of, you know, kind of cruise along, not have to do much, take advantage of the short fields. And so this time, if they can change that, allow their defense to come out there, get a couple of stops and keep them in a the game, it could be a different ball game this time. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. Like, you kind of remember that game as being this this massive blowout, and the final score suggests that it was. It was 32-13 to 13 Bengals. But so much of that was kind of an unraveling of the, the Raiders' offense, where, like, in the second half, Carr threw an interception. He got strip-sapped. Um, so, like, it, it kind of got out of hand pretty early, and it led to 38 rushing attempts for the Bengals versus 29 pass attempts. So a, a pretty run-focused game plan. Did you feel like on paper with better turnover fortune could be a lot more even? You know, the Bengals had the, the third worst pass block win rate of 49% this season. The Raiders were top eight in pass rush win rate. It just didn't always turn into a ton of sacks. It's like they're kind of like the anti-Steelers where they were getting a lot of pressure, but not always getting home. But, you know, with the matchup itself, it does seem like things could be a little bit different this time. And it would be interesting to see if it played out differently. I think it, I think it can. I really yeah. do. And so like Burrow with this, this few pass attempts only ended up with 148 yards and one passing touchdown. So like not much from a fantasy friendly perspective, but given that things could go differently this time, that might be actually better news for his fantasy value, even if it doesn't necessarily lead to a dominant Bengals win. Are you confident enough to roll with Burrow and a lot of those guys from a fantasy perspective this weekend? 
I think on those two game fantasy slates, I think you would definitely have to look at Barrow. Not really mm-hmm. sure if you're talking about the four or the six, but yeah. I, I would definitely be more interested in in those two game slates. Um, because if if you think about the upside, the ceiling, um, the kind of games that they can have if they really got going, I don't mm-hmm. think that um, the Raiders would be able to keep up um, in, in a track meet. So if if I had to, to, to pick somebody from this game, it, a quarterback, it would be, be Joe Barrow, even though I really like mixing a lot. If you would say who's my favorite player, yeah. because I think those last couple of games, what the Bengals were able to do, um, they put a lot on film for the Raiders to have to look at, and this may open it up for mixing as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. I feel like that could be a pretty stackable game. I'm just wondering whether like that's going to be a common strategy for people, especially playing in that two-game slate. So as a way to maybe zag a bit, I threw out Zay Jones as a possible DFS option. He's 5300 in FanDuel, pretty inexpensive. I think that's $600 underpriced. And Jones has really come on later in the season. He has a 21.7% target share since week 12. That's 25th highest among regular wide receivers and not that far behind Hunter Renfro. They've had a much bigger disparity between their touchdown scoring, but I think a little bit of that has been luck where they were, they were much more similar with 2.0 and 3.6 expected touchdowns. The better question might be whether Jones has enjoyed that recent run because Darren Waller has been out. So do you have any thoughts about that? Like, with the Raiders now potentially having all of their weapons back, I mean, all the ones they're going to get back at least, is that going to change Jones' involvement on the outside, or is that something that might stick with us? I think it could change it on the outside a little bit, as well as in the red zone as far as you know Renfro's targets. Yeah. Because last week you saw, even though he didn't put up big numbers, they went to a Waller quite a bit. And so yeah. as, now that he has his second game back, he'll probably um, at least have a, a few more reps in practice. We could see Waller being more involved, and he could be the X factor for the game. So with you know Jones coming on, Edwards still getting the ball here and there, we're not really sure what we're going to get from D-Jack. But it is the potential that Renfro could come down and mm-hmm. that Waller or somebody like, say, Jones could, could be the play here. I like that. All right, let's move on to the Saturday night game, one of the really compelling games in my mind this weekend, Patriots at Bills for the third time this season. That's in Buffalo, and you probably have heard by now that we're going to get maybe like six to eight degrees Fahrenheit as a kickoff temperature. It's going to be really, really cold. It's not going to be windy as it was in the first game between these two teams when the Patriots only threw three pass attempts, but it seems like weather's going to be a factor. So, Adele, how do you think the extreme cold weather might impact these teams on offense? I think it's going to be a hard-hitting, real physical type of football game. I think um, Buffalo's probably ready for this game, maybe a little bit more ready. Again, Mm -hmm. I'll never discount um, a a Belichick defense or, you know, what they're going to do as far as preparation. But I feel like Buffalo is is just ready for this. They've been waiting for this. They've marked it on their calendar all year, and they're really looking forward to this game. They could care less if it was, you know, four degrees or 40 (laughs) degrees. They're going out there, and they're going to try to do their very best to win that game at home. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. Um, What's interesting is, I mean, you hear about cold weather being a major factor, but by and large, cold weather isn't as big a deal as heavy winds or definitely precipitation, where it's like just – Generally speaking, it cuts pass plays by about 2% per game. It, it cuts run plays to 2% per game. It does increase rushing touchdown rate. So like teams tend to shift a little bit of their, their play calling away from the pass and towards the run, although maybe not the Bills. I mean, the Bills, you feel like they're probably going to play to their strength in that respect. The only question is like, is there a tipping point between below freezing temperatures and then like really, really cold temperatures like they're going to get in this game? Just, 
we just don't really have a ton of evidence to, to go off either way. In my database, I've only got eight games since 2009 that have had kickoffs below 10 degrees. And in those, like only one of the eight, the Cowboys-Bears game in week 14 in 2013 had more than 404 combined passing yards. So you wonder whether, you know, could the Patriots do their run-heavy power game like they did earlier in the year and just run, run, run on the Bills? It's I know it's like a cliche. It's not fun to tackle a bigger back when it's this cold outside. But I don't know. Like, does the cold do what the wind did in that respect for the Patriots? I don't think it's going to do what the wind did in respect to not just the passing game, but the kicking game. Mm -hmm. But what I think it will, what we may see is that both teams are going to probably focus on running the ball a little bit more, especially kind of like what they did in that first game. I think it'll help um, the the Patriots kind of control the pace a little bit more to to, to run the ball. And then for Buffalo, I think they're going to want to um, make the game easier for Allen and not rely on him so much um, for him to have to make plays. And the way to do that is, again, to run the ball and be physical. It's cold. It's a big division game. So I absolutely think we're going to see less than 400 yards, and I think that they're going to focus on the running game. That's 400 yards passing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's not necessarily bad news for Josh Allen from a fantasy perspective because he can run the ball, and he's actually a much more powerful runner than, than Devin Singletary, who's a little bit more versatile. Singletary's been great in recent weeks, by the way. So, like, I honestly don't hate that as an option for you in DFS either. But I'm looking at Ramondre Stevenson, who's 5,200 and FanDuel as a possible option here. I think it's pretty clear Damian Harris is the lead back. It's been a little bit clear, unclear to figure this out in recent weeks because, you know, Damian Harris, he left the first Bills game in week 13. He missed weeks 14 and 15. And then Stevenson turned around and missed week 16, left week 18 early. We haven't had them together for a ton, but... Overall, it seems like Harris has been really good. He's scored a lot of touchdowns lately. But I'm intrigued by the fact that the Bills seem particularly vulnerable to the power rushing teams. They're 11th overall in run defense DVOA, but 29th in power success rate allowed. And all of the running backs that have run for 100 or more yards are big guys. It's like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, you know, Harris twice. Granted, those are great rushing offenses, but it does seem like there would be a stylistic part of their defense where maybe they're susceptible to being pushed around a little bit. And I feel like the Patriots would love to get back to that this week if they could. Absolutely. But the running backs got to stay out the blue tent. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to do much if they can't stay on the field. And it seems like those nagging injuries for Harris, it just brings a lot of uncertainty around his availability. Hopefully, Steve, he can he can be a go and they can get something going. But if they can't stay on the field, the offense, you know, that creates a little bit of inconsistency mm-hmm. for, for the entire offense. And then it, it, it hurts their chances. Meanwhile, you know, the Bills can keep finding a way to kind of get it done. And then eventually um, with them having all that guys back, you know, they could probably put up some points and, and, and this game could get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, in the second game, which had a little bit fewer weather concerns than the first one, Allen played tremendously. And what was really interesting, I thought, was that they really found a lot of Isaiah McKenzie, who was playing more in the slot with Cole Beasley out that week. Beasley's going to be back this week, and I don't know whether the Bills are going to try to get McKenzie out there. He just provides so much more speed from the slot than Beasley, who's like more of a quick open guy, but not really a field stretcher in any way. Do you have a sense of how they're going to play that and whether the Patriots, you know, having some injuries like Jalen Mills in the secondary, is that a particular vulnerability this week? I, th- I think it could be. I think we'll see Beasley get back in, into the offense, but they got you know Davis as well. You know, mm-hmm. not to miss some time. So I feel like they're getting all of their pieces back, and so they're going to be moving the ball. They're going to be get you know converting first downs, and they're going to I think be controlling this game. 
with that um, addition of uh, that short passing game, that threat of guys like Diggs and that speed um, with those slot guys. This game, again, uh, I, I respect everything that you know Belichick does with his defense. I know they're going to come prepared, but mm-hmm. if the Patriots offense – you know, can't do anything because of injury or because they're just not converting first downs. Yeah. The Bills are going to control this game and it could get out of here. I mean, that, that seems really possible. But I feel like, honestly, there are a lot of ways this could play out and creates a lot of opportunities in DFS to kind of play it different ways. The only thing I probably don't love is a full-on Bills passing attack stack. Like, as mentioned with the potential cold weather, I could see Allen running a good bit, maybe scoring some himself, but, like, yeah, like I don't know if say Stefan Diggs is going to have a big day. He might get get kind of matched up against the better and the healthier of the Patriots cornerbacks. But like anything else, like if you want to go ru- Patriots running back heavy, if you want to do like a a Bills weird kind of passing stack with Singletary and Allen, I think those are all options. But um, that that's kind of where I'd probably leave it at that. But I, I wouldn't be mad if somebody made the argument um, to do a stack. Especially if you know um, the Bills, you know, obviously your game theory is that the Bills are going to put up some points. Mm-hmm. It would be contrarian. It would be, yeah. you know, something that I don't think most people would do to maybe go with a, like you describe, a Cole Beasley, Diggs, yeah. and Allen stack. Don't be surprised if something like that's in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in kind of the Isaiah McKenzie way of things, if you can find the one of the Bills receivers, the secondary or third receivers that really has the good matchup this week, that would be cool. And it probably wouldn't be a common lineup to go with. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the Sunday games. A bunch of really good ones here, too, starting with the Eagles at Bucks. That's 1 p.m. in Tampa Bay, 73 degrees and clear, but potential for heavy winds here. I'm seeing 23 mile per hour sustained and gusts up to 37. So, you know, <laughs> this may not be the just Bucks walkover that we might have expected. Um, so I'm curious in my mind, in your mind, Odell, do you think the Eagles are going to be able to run their typical run focused game plan? against what last year was the number one run defense by DVOA, but the Bucs haven't been quite as good against the run of late. And, and again, the, you know, the Philly backs can't stay out of the blue tent. You know, hopefully they can keep, you know, somebody in the lineup and, and keep some type of running game going and have some consistency. But I just think that that's the strength of the Bucks defense as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough for me to see how Philly's just going to come out and really control the ball by running it against the Bucks. And then they got, you know, the goat on the other side. So I just <laughs> feel that. like and, and, that's, and that goat, is that's, that's when, rain shine i'm taking them with a hundred mile an hour win i'm going with the goat come playoff time so with that being said i still think tampa is likely to control this game i i hope the eagles can really make this a competitive one but with the inexperience and the injuries and that offense just hasn't really you know shown us anything that would make us say that the eagles are going to come out and be able to throw the ball um, and running the ball i don't think they'll be able to get it done I think especially with the wins, you know, Hertz is pretty much a downfield stretcher or a runner. So like if, if the wins make it hard for him to get the ball accurately down the field, that's the only path they really can have is, is kind of hoping that the Bucks are worse in run defense as they've been of late, which I think says a lot about injuries. So as mentioned, the run defense was number one last year. They were fourth in weeks one to nine, but just 17th in weeks 10 to 18. And they've missed their star linebacker or one of their multiple star linebackers, Levante David, in particular in recent weeks. But he came off IR this week. I think he's probably going to play, and I think that probably makes a really big difference about how effective they can be against the run. I'll note, too, that you know it's not like teams have been running a ton against them. They still have been the number one cutter of run plays by about 46%. The Jets, 
of all teams, right? The Jets. The Jets have been the one team that have really been able to run all over the Bucks in the second half of the season. Even the Saints in that weird upset game where they they held them scoreless, even they didn't ha- run very efficiently. So it, it's weird to say that the Eagles should kind of try to follow the example the Jets provided, but that that's kind of been the way it, that it was. I'll point out so too. That, yeah, that was an anomaly. That was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> that was the exception. What's what's funny here is that the Bucks and Eagles played earlier in the year back in week six. That game was kind of close, 28 to 22. But like that was before the Eagles reinvented themselves as this like huge run oriented offense. So I'm not sure there's ton to learn from that example. I don't know. It it, it seems really unlikely from every respect there. Um, maybe they can get turnovers. Maybe the fact that the, the Bucks just don't have as many healthy wide receivers as usual can limit them. But honestly, I feel like it seems like the Bucks are going to be able to run the ball on the Eagles, if not more effectively than, than the other way too. And that's why I'm looking at Leonard Fournette as a possible DFS value. I was surprised to see he was 5,900 in DraftKings. I think that's really low. Probably the yeah. fact that he's been on IR recently, but he's off of IR now. He returned to practice on Wednesday. Seems like he's going to play. And it seems like his teammate Ronald Jones is going to be out with his ankle injury. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm I'm over th- I'm underthinking things here, but I would say why wouldn't Fournette go back to his really dominant shares from before the injury? From weeks 1 to 14, he was top 10 in carry share and top 8 in target share and led all running backs with 78 targets at that point in the season. Weird thing to say about a guy that had drop problems last year, but like is is that what are the can the Bucks just kind of run over the Eagles and maybe kind of flip the script on what the Eagles want to do here? That's that's what I'm seeing. I, I if if help if Fournette's healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't see how he doesn't um, become, you know, that safety net for Brady in the offense when, you know, yeah. his receivers are banged up. The offense really struggled there, and I think that's what hurt the defense a little bit yeah. is because the offense wasn't able to really control the game like they were before. They were going, you know, weren't having those long drives, um, especially when Fournette was in there. They dunking it down and getting first downs on third down. Now that he's back, I think we're going to see that offense kind of get going a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure if the Eagles really got an answer for Gronk and Fournette this week or two of my favorite plays. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree there. So Fournette, he was actually top four with a 14.3% drop rate last season, including the playoffs, down to 7.8% this week. It's like hugely improved. They've really groomed him into a great like dual threat runner and receiver. And like that just really eliminates those like mistakes that can kind of cut off drives quickly, which the Eagles would probably need to rely on to have a, a real chance in this game. So hard not to see the Bucks kind of running all over this team. And But that could be great news for Fournette from a, a DFS perspective. A lot of people I'm sure are going to try to ride with Brady in that passing offense. And that may not be the game script they choose to go with, even if they could. The goat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up. Probably everyone's favorite game this week, and I'm not going to disagree. The 49ers at Cowboys, that's 430 in the Dome in Dallas. This game is fun because it seems like both the 49ers run-oriented offense and the Cowboys pass-oriented offense sees a good matchup in the defenses that they're facing in this game. So what do you think, Odell? Which one of these offenses has an advantage with their kind of extreme style? I'm going to go with the home team. And and Mm -hmm. the reason I say that, and, and I took that, that deep breath there is because, like you said, it's something about the 49ers that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like they have these moments where the, t- the offense looks really great, the defense is getting stops, and then they have these moments where it just seems like 
You know, the offense can't really do much. You know, where's Kittles? Is Debo on the field? Is he in the mm. backfield? What's going on? But then it's the same thing for the Cowboys. Yeah. They have this where Pollard's going and then Zeke's going and Lamb. He looks like he's the next, you know, best thing. Cooper comes in with a game. Schultz has two touchdowns. And then it's like, wait a minute. These guys haven't <laughs> scored in a quarter and a half. Yeah, it's weird. And then it's, in a defense, they come on. They have a few games where they're looking like the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. So you like, which team is going to show up? And so the Cowboys at home, I think they're fired up for this playoff game. Everybody knows the history of Dallas and 49ers in the playoffs. But I just think that the Cowboys have a little bit more on their side of, of this matchup than what the Niners do. So I feel like it could be a close game, but I think the Cowboys will pull away in the fourth quarter. I mean, I could definitely buy that. One underrated part of the Cowboys struggles, whatever you want to call it, is they've had very extreme home road splits, in particular Dak Prescott, who I think has averaged something like seven more fantasy points per game at home than on the road in recent seasons. So for them, getting the home field in this game may be bigger than any of the other teams in the wild card round doing so. And you feel good about that. You feel good about the fact that the 49ers, they rank 16th in pass defense DVOA, but second in run defense DVOA. So I feel like that kind of falls into the hands of what the Cowboys are going to want to do on offense in particular with, you know, the injuries and stuff they've been kind of playing through in the running game of late. But, you know, I don't know. The 49ers, it felt like they hit their nadir in terms of injuries, in particular in the secondary the last couple of weeks. They had a bunch of their secondary players laying on COVID. But most of those guys are back. And then now cornerback Emmanuel Mosley, an earlier season starter, he's back off IR. He had a high ankle sprain, but he played 100% of snaps in Week 18, helped the team upset the Rams. Rookie cornerback Ambry Thomas, who has been basically the worst cornerback in football since he took over as a starter halfway through the year, allowing 10.6 yards per target. That's not good, but he's been better. Like it, it felt like maybe he was starting a little bit earlier than the team would have wanted, but he's kind of figured it out on the fly. So there are some things with the 49ers that could be trending a little bit more in the right direction, whereas the Cowboys, I mean, they've been really good defensively for a lot of the season, but they do rank 16th against the run versus second against the pass. It feels like this is the, the last team they would have wanted to play in the wild card round where they would have been a big favorite over everybody else. Maybe, but I still think that the Cowboys is on, on the back end have mm -hmm. a better matchup with CeeDee yeah. Lamb and Cooper. And I think they may even name a new dish this week. We may see the CeeDee Lamb being added to a lot of restaurants there in Dallas-Fort Worth <laughs> because I don't, think, I don't think they're going to be able to stop um that 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 offense this week i think they're going to come out and and really get it going early get him involved early and, and he's going to have a decent game i really like cd lane to further that point the 49ers defense they were fourth in dvoa against short passes they have a pretty good defensive front obviously warner is a great coverage linebacker but 31st against deep passing in dvoa so it's like it seems like there's tons of opportunities to stretch the ball down the field prescott had a 7.6 yard average depth of throw this year that was middle of the pack but was great when he did throw deep. He had the third highest deep completion percentage. So I would say, Dallas, just don't overthink this. Just check the ball down the field repeatedly. You're going to have all those opportunities for big plays. Lamb, Amari Cooper, too. Cedric Wilson. They have so many guys that can stretch the ball. Even Blake Jarwin, the tight end who's come back late in the season because a little bit of a yes. field stretcher, too. So they, I mean, I think if they don't try to do too much and get and get too creative on offense, just take what's there for you and grab those explosive plays when you can. I mentioned the guy, like, I agree with you that C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper are kind of in for big days. But when you're just talking about relative to his pricing in DFS, 
It's hard not to like Cedric Wilson, too. He's 4,400 in DraftKings, very, very cheap. But ever since Michael Gallup tore his ACL a few weeks ago, Wilson has jumped up to, you know, 47% and 68% snap shares. He's playing a lot of that third receiver spot for the team and had six targets each of the last two weeks and scored three total touchdowns. Is that something you think he can kind of keep going and make him a good DFS option? I think so, because they're going to have to give a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. you know, extra attention to those guys on the outside. Um, and so once that safety goes there and he's got that one-on-one, and, and as you've seen all season long, that's one of Dak's favorite targets. Third down, he needs a big play. He mm-hmm. loves to go there. So I could absolutely see him um, making him a part of the offense, and those explosive plays could easily go that way, especially in this type of scenario. And it's, it's somebody's going to step up. Somebody's going to make a big play, um, and, and I think it could be him in this game. Yeah, so like I, I have a – I mean, I feel like the 49ers could pull this upset. It's not where I would lean per se, but – like that's a route I feel like you could go with, but I'm I'm a little unsure how to kind of take advantage of that possibility from a DFS perspective. I mean, George Kittle feels like he would have great mismatches, is great after the catch. It's been a bit of a weakness for the Cowboys defense, but is he going to stay in really to provide blocking help against a, a defense that can really rush the passer and has all of their guns from Micah Parson to Randy Gregory available to go in this game? So if you wanted to take the 49ers angle, is there anybody that stands out to you from a DFS perspective as a good option? 49ers are winning this game. Debo Samuels has made some big plays. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Out the backfield, um, um, in the passing game, the short passing game, he's absolutely the person I would say have to be involved. And I think they would have to at least be running the ball. I think Eli mm-hmm. may, you know, he may be somewhere around 20 carries in that type of scenario. But And Garoppolo would have to at least be connecting and converting some first downs, maybe the Kittle. Like, they would have to be the three people I think would be involved with, but Debo having to be mm. um, the guy if they are really, really controlling this game. They're not going to just be able to come out yeah. and run the ball. I like that Debo option as well. So, like, the big thing with cornerback Trevon Diggs, obviously leading the position with 11 interceptions this season, had a great year, has a great chance to end up getting some votes for Defensive Player of the Year. But he also allowed a lot of yards after the catch, something that Brian Knowles part pointed out in the in the playoff preview for that on Football Outsiders. So I wonder if Debo Samuel might be a worse matchup for a number one receiver, if you want to call him that, than, than a lot of other guys might be that are a little bit more traditional out there. He's so amazing after the catch, and you wonder if that would work. Would you stack like Jimmy Garoppolo with Samuel and with you know Elijah Mitchell hoping for a receiving touchdown or stuff, or is that a little bit too weird of a, of a mishmash there? I don't think it's too weird. I think I could I could see that. Um, I would probably like the Kittle Debo a little mm-hmm. bit more or something like that. Yeah. Only because in that in that game, if you're going to have Garoppolo, you, you got to hope that he's going over 300 yards and has yeah. three touchdowns. That's true. So I would want one as I would want the other receiver for leverage. You're just basically keeping your fingers crossed that even if a run game gets them into the red zone, that Garoppolo will be the one that actually gets them into the goal with some close right. touchdowns. Well, and, and they love Debo in the red zone, mm-hmm. well, even when they get in plus territory, right? How yeah. many times have we seen him on these jet sweeps or, you know, some play out the backfield where he gets the edge and then he takes it in from about 20 yards out. So <laughs> that's always a possibility as well. You love it when they do the little pitch forward jet sweep. That counts as a passing touchdown. So you get the credit, even though it's basically a run play, right? Exactly. All right. Here's the game that may not be quite as fun overall. The Steelers at Chiefs, 815 in Kansas City. 28 degrees, but none of the concerns with like rain or wind or things that could make this game wonky. 
it's hard not to see this game being a pretty big blowout. I mean, they played in week 16 and, and I think the chiefs won 36 to 10. I think they were up 30 to nothing in that game. That was three weeks ago, you know? So in this game is nearly a, a two, a two touchdown spread entering the game. It's the biggest one of the week, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the chiefs offense. Are they going to maintain their typical pass reliance against the Steelers defense that is much better against the pass than the run? And I'll say of note in that first game that TJ Watt, even though he played, he was dealing with cracked ribs. He didn't play his normal full set of defensive snaps and has played that the last two weeks, probably healthier this week. I don't know if it'll make the difference, but like, what do you think, Odell? So first, my Ravens allegiance always makes it difficult to talk <laughs> about the Steelers, right? Just get that out the way, right? That's now. fair. But 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 the Chiefs seem like they really controlled that last game. Hmm. But that also, you know, sets the stage for for something that could feel like an upset. I don't know if, you know, this is Big Ben's last ride. I don't know if they're going to come out and, you know, have a little bit of something extra to want to play. They kind of made it into the playoffs. And sometimes those teams bring a little bit of momentum when you kind of get into that last spot and or you come down to that last play, which was the case in this for the Steelers. But it just feels like they have some matchups but it just don't feel like the Steelers able to take care of, I mean, take advantage of any of them. It yeah. just seems like, you know, they got matchups with Harris and Deontay Johnson, and they could have Claypool on the outside with one-on-one and some big plays, but it just doesn't feel like Big Ben can get the ball there. He seems like his arm is just a little mm-hmm. bit better than mine right now, and that's not good. <laughs> so so, so I, I really think this game favors, you know, Kansas City, and I don't think Vegas is wrong with that um, spread. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on the favoring part of things. It, it seems almost a foregone conclusion that the Chiefs are going to win here. But because I did the preview for this game with Football Outsiders, I really kind of dug into the in the matchups from this and can learn out a little bit with this. And you're right that there are some aspects of the game that seem like they would benefit the Steelers, even if it didn't play out that way in the first matchup here. The big one would be, obviously, we all know the Chiefs, they really had trouble in the Super Bowl against that Bucks front, which was generating, I think, 39% pressure on their non-blitzes. So you're like, okay. To beat the Chiefs, you need a team that doesn't blitz Mahomes because you can't blitz Mahomes because they'll kill you deep. And you need them to be able to generate pressure with a front four. And the Steelers were actually the second best team in generating pressure on non-blitzes this year. Only the Bills were better. It didn't really work in the first game. But again, TJ Watt playing through that rib injury, I feel like it could have been a major factor because he was kind of the one guy. You know, he had fewer pass pressures this year than he had each of the last two seasons, but tied the NFL record in terms of sacks, where it's like it seems like whenever he gets around the quarterback, he gets home and creates the sack. So you feel like maybe if he's healthy, that can really make a big difference there. And then the other side of this is just the Steelers need to force turnovers. There were five total fumbles in the first game. The Chiefs had three of them, but the the Chiefs recovered all five. So like with a little bit better luck in that perspective, maybe if, if Watt can actually get to Mahomes a few times, force a fumble or two, maybe they can get an interception or two, that could make a big difference. And that's been a big thing with Mahomes as well over the course of the season. Remember when they were losing those games in September and October, he had so many plays where he was throwing tip passes and stuff and they were ending up in interceptions. It was weird and it was creating a lot of weirdness there. But that script has flipped even more extreme the other way where he's had a lot fewer interceptions dropped in the second half of the season than you would expect based on league averages. So for the Steelers to have a chance, they're just going to have to catch all of those opportunities. If their tip passes, if Mahomes just misreads the defense or something, they're going to have to take advantage of that. And so we I have- think Watts is a difference maker. Oh, like yeah. You, you pointed that out. So I want to highlight that he is a difference maker. But not just that, Tyreek Hill is, is hobbled. 
Whatever's going mm-hmm. on with that that heel is is real, right? Oh, it yeah. caused him to miss games. Um, he didn't look very good even out there. I mean, on game day, he tried to give it a go, right? This this wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So there's something going on here with their offense that could potentially slow them down. If they are in a situation where they're not able to, you know, move the ball and create those deep plays and the Steelers can get after you, this team is well coached as well. They have some pieces. Fitzpatrick, you know, Watt, they could make it a game. I just wanted to highlight that because you made a great point there. Yeah. I mean, I think you're doing great not showing your Ravens bias, making the point for the Steelers there. Um, You know, and and Hill's not the only Chiefs player with an injury concern because both of the running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's missed the last few weeks with a shoulder injury. Daryl Williams injured his toe last week. They're both questionable heading into this game. And the Steelers, they're eighth in pass defense DVOA, but 27th on run defense DVOA. That would be a way that they could make it easier on Mahomes, not really worry as much about the potential for turnovers. And they may not have that ability if their running backs are hobbled in the way that Hill is hobbled. So there's a couple things there that could kind of give that leaning. We have a question on the YouTube chat from Trexel that says, what about taking a Ben Roethlisberger throwing over 1.5 touchdowns in this game as, as an option for you as a bet? Aaron Schatz mentioned that the other day, and it's intriguing. I think it's intriguing, too. Um, to me, this is kind of relying on the turnovers as much as anything else. If they can get some short fields, that might open the opportunity for Ben to get those touchdowns. They probably won't be able to run the ball that effectively. The Chiefs have really improved their run defense over the course of the season and improved their tackling. Roethlisberger has a lot of completions that stay behind the stick. So, like, I don't think they're going to move the ball on their own, but maybe Mahomes can open the door for them. What do you think about that as a prop bet for you, Odell? I think I think you can go with Ben – 1.5 and maybe his last game even mm-hmm. if if they're in the game right and, and and it's competitive or some kind of way they're up you yeah. know it's because big ben had to throw the ball but even if they're down and it's late and he gets that that you know that garbage time touchdown hey it still counts so yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad bet to take especially in the playoff games with the steelers and trust me they're gonna leave it all out on the field you know, the Steelers aren't going to be the team that's going to, you know, come out here and not try to compete. They're going to try to compete. So I'll take that, you know, yeah, two touchdowns, big Ben playoffs, sure. Yeah, the garbage time angle is pretty compelling there, too, because the Chiefs have notoriously had a tendency to kind of take the, the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter of games, even in week 16 between these two teams. Again, they were up 30 to nothing, and then suddenly they let the Steelers, they had like an 80-yard touchdown drive, and they allowed something like 55 yards before time ran out on the Steelers in the fourth quarter. So, like, you could definitely see Roethlisberger scoring late, even if things were already decided. All that said, I kind of had a hard time coming up with DFS players that I liked in this week. I think pro- part of that is the fact that Hill being hobbled. I'm not sure how explosive the, the Chiefs are going to be with the passing game. They may not have to be that explosive, but there's not a lot of their running backs that you feel good about from a health perspective either. I settled on Najee Harris as a kind of a weird DFS option. He's less expensive than usual at 6600 in DraftKings. And while I mentioned that the Chiefs have been a lot better against the run in the second half of the season, they're actually 15th in run defense since week eight. But Harris has seven or more targets in four games this season, and three of them were pretty big losses. Back in week three, he had 19 targets. That was a 24-10 loss to the Bengals. In week four, they lost by 10 to the Packers. And then in week 16, this this Chiefs game, they lost 36-10, and he had more than seven targets there too. Could it be a day where Harris gets like seven to 10 targets? And even if he's not efficient as a runner, racks up the fantasy points for you. It is no way the Steelers can win without Harris being involved 
yeah. and having a big day. Whether that's five, you know, targets out of the backfield, 18 attempts, he's going to need to have about 80 yards rushing, you know, 30, 40 yards out the backfield, and maybe he gets that touchdown for them to even have a chance. Now, if, yeah. if they're having a, you know, if, they, if this game is competitive and it's back and forth, then he can easily go over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So my favorite play for the Steelers offense would probably be Harris. If I had to pick somebody coming back on the other side, you know, with Holmes, Mahomes' ability to move it all around, we're not really sure of the backfield, then I would probably have to go with Kelsey, right, because yeah. he's his guy and he's going to be involved um, no matter what. But the Steelers played the tight end pretty well. So uh, I would say Harris is a great play. You know, with Kelsey, he actually missed the first matchup between these two teams because he was on the COVID list, which kind of makes it even more ridiculous that they won 36 to 10. Again, I'm not telling you to, to pick the, the Chiefs, I mean, the Steelers money line in this game by any means. But we didn't, get, yeah, we didn't get the preview of what Kelsey might do to this defense. He's a little bit different of a tight end than a lot of the guys the Steelers have kind of held in check. So I could see that too. Although, as mentioned, I don't, I don't love a lot of the DFS guys in this game as compelling as I think the game might end up being. Agreed. Okay. We got one more game to hit on. A pretty fun game here as well on Monday night between the Cardinals at Rams. That's Monday at 15 in the Dome in Los Angeles. The tricky part of this, again, the Super Wild Card Weekend, pushing this game to Monday, that makes it really tough because you're probably going to be pairing it with some of the earlier games in the weekend from a DFS perspective. And both of these teams have some uncertainties at running back. I would say in particular the Cardinals. James Conner, he came back in Week 18 to play but then suffered a rib injury. He hasn't practiced a lot this week. You don't know about that. Chase Edmonds, who actually missed week 18 with a rib injury, he's been back practicing in a limited basis, but we don't know if he's going to play as well. I mean, the, the Rams are a bit healthier on that side of the ball, but Cam Akers came back amazingly quickly to play in week 18 from his Achilles injury. And I guess there's a possibility he could see his workload shoot up over the course of the playoffs too. Before the year started, obviously we all thought he was going to be a workhorse back and you would feel like if healthy, He's probably more talented than the normal starter, Sonny Michelle. So what do you make of these two rushing games from the uncertainty perspective? And, and what are you going to do in DFS where you, you may not know the answer to these questions before the Monday night kickoff? I think that's what's going to you know, be challenging is that we, we're going to have to make, you know, you'll take a chance here. We're going to have mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, Connor, the way that he's been running, uh, he's my guy. And then hope that everybody else, you know, you know, buys into the uncertainty and that his ownership is just, you know, really low, lower than what you would mm-hmm. expect if he was healthy and he was playing on Sunday. And and I would say the same thing on the other side, because we don't know who's going to be in there. Uh, we don't know who's going to get the, you know, the, the majority of the snaps mm-hmm. um, for the Rams. But I think what may help most folks is that, we're probably going to go with the passing games in this because it's yeah. just some great matchups. It's been um, at least some fun in both of these games as far as, you know, back and forth. It's really competitive. This is probably going to be, you know, one of the, the better games on the weekend as far as back and forth and being competitive. I like both quarterbacks. I think, you know, the Rams – maybe have the advantage having all of their receivers healthy from that perspective. But Mary has been very competitive this year. Um, A.J. Green has kind of lit up the Rams. This game is going to be fun. It should be a good one. I just don't know from a DFS perspective if if, if the running backs are, are in a yeah. great spot because of the injuries in, in the matchup. It's tough. We, we, we kind of need news to break. Like if we could have news come out before Sunday, then I feel like maybe that would give you some options to play because – Honestly, like I think it's pretty obvious what to do depending on whether one of these two running backs misses it for the Cardinals. Because like right. Chase Edmonds, what did he have? I think he had 16 and 18 carries and nine and six targets in week 16 and 17 when James Conner was out. Like he goes from 
kind of an afterthought to basically a, a running back two from a fantasy perspective when Connor yes. misses. And Connor, who was kind of relying a lot on his touchdown scoring in the early season, when Edmund suffered some injuries in the second half of the year, he jumped up to like top 12 in target percentage. Yeah, he was a low-end tier one. <laughs> he actually he led normal. running backs in, in receiving DVOA this season. Like he's a very effective receiver of the ball, and you feel like he could be a workhorse in this game too. So it's like yeah. we just need the news to break. If the news breaks, then you know what to do in those circumstances. But if it doesn't, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I'll point out, so on the Rams side of the, of the running game, Michelle did play 80% of snaps in Week 18, and Cam Akers played 20%. And while the Cardinals, they're sixth in run defense DVOA, like they have increased run plays per game by a bit. They increased rushing yards. Per, so like it wouldn't be shocking to me if the Rams could run at this. And I feel like it's probably going to be Sony Michelle more than, than big Cam Akers come back. But I don't know. You may be right that this it makes a lot more sense to roll with the passing games in this one. Yeah, but but I wouldn't be mad at, at Michelle, right? Is that mm-hmm. is they're trying to um, focus on slowing down Cup and and you know Beckham has been a problem for them yeah. this year. That Michelle, if if he's in there because l- last week he didn't get it, it was going to Higby and, and yeah. other guys once they got to the red zone. But if it goes to him, he's having a huge fantasy game, right? So that could yeah. easily swing. And Michelle so, is not expensive. He's fifty four hundred in DraftKings. I don't know if that's because. Acres coming back adds uncertainty. I don't know if it's because last week he did not have a lot of success against the 49ers, but I think the 49ers are a much better run defense than, than the Cardinals are. I think that's a factor. So I don't know. Like I could see it as a bit of a counterplay. It's intriguing to me, but it's it's probably not my favorite play of the week. Odell, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to see a lot of these games. I'm hoping that DFS can add a little bit of an intrigue too, where unfortunately your Ravens, they missed – they missed the playoffs after all the injuries they suffered. My Panthers never had a chance to make the playoffs after the first three weeks of the season. So, like, we're relying on fantasy to add some intrigue this week, but it should be fun. Uh, Odell, tell all of our listeners where they can catch your work and what you all you have coming up from a from a you know article perspective. Anything you have going on? Oh, Dr. Roto, drrodo.com. You can look mm-hmm. for the articles, um, the Zen Master. They come out every week. We're going to have um, another playoff one for the six-game slate. Um, also, we do Friday Night Lights um, every Friday. We go over the entire slate. We talk about our plays. We have a lot of fun. I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a must-watch. Get over there to Dr. Roto. Mm-hmm. Highly encourage everybody listening to check that out. It's really fun to play DFS in the playoffs in my mind. So this is a great opportunity to check that out. Don't let the the traditional fantasy season being over discourage you there. Um, I mentioned one more time that Football Outsiders has a lot of great playoff preview content up. So check that out, whether you like fantasy or not. And that FO Plus remains on sale for 99 cents a week right now. So check that out as well. That's going to do it for this this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders uh, Fantasy Show, Podcast Network, everything else we have going on. Have a lot of ton- fun watching your, your super wild card weekend shows. Odell, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Hope to have you back soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. Good luck, right, everybody. everybody. Catch you later. Absolutely.